0: Unlisted.ai gjør det mulig for selskaper å håndtere aksje- og aksjonsprogrammer, aksjeeierboken, CapTable og de meste av rettigheter inn mot aksjene i selskapet på ett sted. Prøv Unlisted.ai sin gratuasjon i dag. Hei kjære lytter, jeg er Lukas i Skifter. Nu vil du høre vår første episode i vår nya serie Six months to start a startup». Det er en podkasserie som följer gründer Christine Steinsholdt på veien mot 10 000 brukere. Hun intervjuer gründere, investorer og andre eksperter på veien, og i første episode handler det om idé. Hvordan vite om din idé är er god nok? Hun snakker blant med investor Hampus Jakobsson i Nordic Makers, som solgte sitt uh, sällskap til RIM, uh, selskapet bak blackberry telefon, hvis du husker den. Eh, liker du episoden kan du allerede nå laste ned episode 2 som du finner i iTunes. Podcasten heter 6 Months to Start a Startup, also 6 Months to Start a Startup med tallet 6. Men first, første episode.
1: Every startup begins with an idea. A lot of people will tell you that your idea isn't worth very much because it's all about the execution. But I realized from the very first meeting that I ever had about my startup idea listfully, from now on, this idea was going to define who I was. This idea would be with me all the time, under constant scrutiny, challenged, I'd have to explain it a 1,000 times. And each time, I'd be wondering, does this person get it? Holding my breath, trying to read in their eyes if they believe in it, and if they relate to the problem. Wondering, do they think my idea is awesome, or that it totally sucks? I mean, everybody has an app idea, right? They say to be the founder of a successful startup, you should probably be a guy in your 20s with a computer degree living in or around Silicon Valley. I'm none of those things. I'm Christine Steinsholt. I'm a 39 year old single mom living in Norway with no tech experience and no money. All I have is an idea and an MVP and six months to start a startup. So, how do you know if your idea can actually become a startup and if it's going to make money? Where do you gain that confidence? And whose opinion matters anyway? Angel investor Hampus Jakobsen has heard hundreds of founders pitch ideas. He's based in Stockholm, Sweden, and is the head of Nordic Makers, a group of top Nordic angel investors working to be the most founder-friendly investors for early-stage startups in the Nordics. Since selling his mobile UI company, TAT, to BlackBerry in 2010, he's invested in over 50 companies. He made time on a Friday night, past my bedtime, to hop on a call and tell us how he defines a good startup idea.
2: I don't think it to be original at all, honestly. I think that the tricky thing is that you need to build something which is fundable, um, so essentially there are three kinds of businesses. You can build, um, a, a, like a lifestyle business and that's, uh, that's that, like one category of business. Then you can build a business, which is like the way you could look at a real estate business or something where it's like you're building an empire and it's going to give good dividends or anything. And then you can build a, a, a VC fundable uh, exponential growth kind of company. And, um, there are three kinds of investors. So the first one, lifestyle businesses, the only investor that can do that is you. Like anything from you get the cafe on the corner to like you're running a t-shirt printing company to you have a startup idea. So those are completely unfundable by anybody but yourself. Then the second category um, are people that want dividends or like safe money back kind of ideas. And, and then the third idea are startup ideas, which I would say that startups are. And most people confuse these three and put startups in all of these buckets. So startups for me are exponentially scalable businesses, which means that they're going to burn an amazing amount of money and do crazy impact. And they will need to reach um, like $100 million plus annual recurring revenue. um, And if they don't, then the VCs won't touch them. And the thing that that rolls back to is like, does an NDI need to be unique? No, it just needs, like if it's fundable, it just needs to fall in the third category. But that also means that if you have, if you do something that someone else already done and it's nothing new to it, then you probably won't be able to reach that. Um, so I think that, I mean, there, there's no point in an idea being new for newness sake at all. Um, so, and I think that, honestly, I think some people who, I think you should avoid when you pitch, I think you should avoid saying stuff that it's new or creative or blah, 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 anything, because that's not a value in it's by itself. At all, actually.
1: I was also curious about Hampus's position on how unique an idea has to be. Does it have to be something that nobody's really ever done before? Or is everything kind of just a remix anyway?
2: So putting it this way, I think that you need to solve a problem better than someone else is doing it and not slightly better. Um, So if you're an author of a book or you're an artist or something. that means that you can create a 100 million dollar million per year kind of business i mean if you're whatever justin timberlake or whatever but um those kind of companies uh or ideas have an extreme power distribution which means that you have to be like the absolute top one to ha- have a chance and startups don't startups you have a massive amount of ones to get there so if you're creating a company where there can only be one or two or three e- like per year or per season that can be that good then the risk is too high. So new and uniqueness in an idea is, is the problem solved? And then a lot of problems aren't obviously solved. Like, let's say that you're creating a a new home security system. Well, people have home security, but people still feel unsafe, maybe. And therefore, it isn't solved. Um, And I think it's not solved as long as people consider it to be a problem. And there's so many problems. I mean, you don't have to cure cancer. There are so many things which are, essentially not solved for people. And also another thing about this is that some ideas you might have a solution where the technology uh, is not feasible yet, or it's economically not feasible to build it yet, but that's going to be helped, of course, you know, by time. But then the other thing is that there might be needs that are not that big yet. Let's say that you, you have a business idea where you're going to freeze people so that in the future when you can upload the brain into to, uh, software, um, they can upload themselves and save themselves for the future. There's way too little market for that now, but that might be a huge market in three years. So you might be ahead of time. That might also also be a good idea. It's just that you know you have to figure out the timing.
1: Hmm. Um, but do you think that like like you're saying, there's three different types of business, and like it's a lot of people think that their type of business is a startup when it probably doesn't really fall into that category. Mm -hmm. Do you think that too many people are trying to stuff their idea into the startup box so that they can get funding so they can just have the money to actually build what they want to build?
2: Absolutely. And I think that a lot of people who invest in companies are not understanding the difference between these. So, I think
1: it like puts ideas on steroids sometimes? Like that sort of feeling you need to kind of really push it to be this huge thing that you're not sure it might be?
2: Well, yes and no. i put it putting it this way. I love like a thousand flowers bloom analogies. I, I think that it's like if we're need if we going to create like 10 companies that are going to be the, the biggest companies ever for, for five to 10 years or something, like we have to create 10,000 companies. And the majority of those companies are just going to go bust. So I think that you have to try. But the thing is, like, let's say that like you're going to, I mean, being a startup is kind of like being an, an athlete. Like not everybody's an athlete. Not everybody even wants to be an athlete, but everybody would like to jog or something. So I think there's a difference of saying, do people have what it takes to actually be like the fastest marathon runner in the world? Um, that is a very different thing from saying, I really enjoy running. And by the way, I'm thinking about beating the world record.
1: Hampus seemed to be the kind of guy who would totally tell me if my idea sucked. So part of me was terrified that he might start tearing apart listfully. And part of me, of course, hoped that he would love it. But I played it safe, so starting by asking what advice he would have to somebody considering whether their startup idea was worth pursuing.
2: Yeah, so I think that I think that the first for me is depending on your personality. Again, know thyself, uh, and I would say that thing there is that my most common advice to the people who are kind of like the startup kind of people is that look at the negatives. So, like, let's say that your dream is to run a restaurant. Again, this is an uh, like an analogy because that's not a startup idea. Um, and I'm telling you, like, you know what people who work at restaurants, like, they get at work at 11. They, they work till, like, I mean, till 2 a.m. They spend a mass amount of time mopping the floor, talking to people they really dislike, uh, being in a crammed environment. They're not getting paid a lot. And they're like, but I just love to cook. It's like, yes, but that is a very small part of running a restaurant. And I think that they don't understand that. And then I think that what they should do is they should, uh, like, be a chef or they should like cook a lot for their kids or something. And I think that is just that's a very big difference. Like if you look at like like a good picture I think is like if you look at the shoes and feet of a ballet dancers, young ballet as like just they're just bleeding constantly. Mm. That is what a startup looks like. It's like mm. bleeding your feet and still doing it. And that means that it's not like I enjoy cooking. It's slightly more than that. Um so first of all I think most people should have just not touched it. They should just be happy that they've got a good idea and enjoy it. They should just blog about it and hope that somebody does it. But if they feel that they just can't get it out of their body, I think that they should, uh, they should as simply and easy as possible, try to find a lot of people who want to have it and want to talk about it, like starting a blog or starting a podcast, or whatever, just starting a gathering in a community around the problem. And maybe, Um, They will find co founders, maybe they will find investors, maybe they will find uh, um, uh, like uh, customers uh, or or something. um, And maybe they find somebody who's already solved it. So I think that that is one of those things. I think the big, most, one of the most important things is like if you want something solved, communicate it a lot. And most people actually do the opposite. They're just like, this is my secret. But it's like, it's not your secret. You should just communicate the craziness of this.
1: When I started to take my idea more seriously as a potential business, Everyone that I knew from outside the startup world would tell me to keep it a secret, get people to sign NDAs and be careful who I talk to about it. But I quickly found out that startup people see things totally differently.
2: No, exactly. I think it's amazing that uh, the people I met in corporates who, who then become a startup, they say, um, I don't know if I can tell other people, and I say, tell me a day at your corporate job." where you didn't spend like days and weeks and hours and minutes and trying to persuade a colleague to do the thing you believed in and that they never did it. Right. <laughs> and there was like, that's my day job. That was like my like 24 seven. Yes. So why do you think they would steal your startup idea now? You can't get other people excited about stuff. Why would they steal it and run with it? And when people hear that, they're like, Oh wow. That's an interesting point.
1: If you have a product that's really vulnerable to like, a, you know, somebody turning it into a feature, does that make you have to move faster or do you just have to keep your pace and and you know, just do as you would do?
2: I think it's a very good question. I think that a lot of things you can't stress. Uh, but I do think that my favorite analogy about running a startup, and I think that is a good analogy for many parts, is as if you jump out of a, of a cliff with a package that contains all the things that you believe to be parts of an airplane, and you're going to assemble that airplane and learn to fly it before you hit the ground. So I think that that means... Will you work in panic? Like, do you need to be stressed? Do you going to feel that your feet are burning? Yes. You're going to be in utter panic. But there are going to be part of your journey where you won't just open the box while in mid flying uncontrollably because then you're going to lose all the parts. So, like, you need to know, like, when should I pan? Like, of course, you should be very, very stressed. But you shouldn't paralyzed, panic, or do anything stupid, which is, of course, very hard. It's very easy to say, but very hard to do, right?
0: This podcast is made possible by communication and technology company, Itera. Itera is one of the most innovative companies in Norway across all industries. If you're looking for a career in a tech company that thinks differently and moves quickly, go to itera.no that's I-T-E-R-A dot N-O.
1: As I started to get more involved in the whole startup world, I met like this awkward phase in my own relationship with my idea. ListFully is a platform where you can make digital wishlists of anything you want and share them with family and friends. So in a way, we of course have a commercial side because we direct people to buy stuff. And then in another way, we also have a do-good side because hopefully people will be buying the right stuff instead of the useless crap we normally buy each other in gifts. So the do-good stuff, like reducing the amount of plastic, like creating a way that small businesses and local communities can gain new business, those are things that I truly genuinely believe in and think we can help with, especially on a large scale if enough people start using it. But also at the end of the day, we want to make money by helping people sell more stuff. And coming from the corporate world, that seemed pretty standard. But the more time I started to spend in the startup world the more pressure I felt to really play up the whole sustainability aspect and play down the commercial aspect, thinking it seems to be that's what people want to hear and, like everyone else around me, seemed to be changing the world with their startup. So, okay, so one day I pretty much cold called this investor that I had seen on stage at an event, and luckily she actually found a half hour to talk to me about Listfully. I went into the meeting, like, not really knowing what I wanted to get from it, But I gave her my standard spiel, very focused on sustainability. She seemed like a nice person. So what I didn't expect to come out of that meeting was this. The
3: last thing she kind of said to me was, she said, stop camouflaging your ambition with sustainability. (laughs) Not that the sustainability part doesn't matter as far as listfully, but she was like, you need to figure out why you are in this you need to figure out why this is driving you not for the reasons of what society thinks or your family thinks or your friends think or your son thinks but what's driving you and that that's okay and it's okay to want to be successful and it's okay to want to make money and it's okay to go out and say that and I I don't have to be ashamed of that and just make everything always about like we wanna help the environment, we wanna like do good, which we do, it's not that's not fake. But she was just kinda of like, just own it. Just go out and own it. And I guess it's making me cry because I think I've been ashamed to own that part of me and um I think I feel like people will judge you if you say that. If you're like I wanna build a company that's gonna make millions of dollars I feel selfish about that so you have to say I want to build a company that's gonna cut back on the waste and that's true I really 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 do that's genuine but I don't know if I'm like strong enough to go out there and say hey (laughs) I want to be the leader of a powerful company and and make tons of money and and find meaning personal meaning and things that
1: are also commercial. If anyone is bold enough to really own their idea, it's Cindy Gallup. Cindy is a Brit, she lives in New York City, and she comes from the field of advertising where over the years she's won many awards for her bold work. Cindy gave a TED Talk in 2009 that quickly went viral about a new company she was starting called Make Love, Not Porn which is, in her own words, expanding an entire new industry segment called sex tech. Yep, I said sex on our very first episode. And porn. Anyway, I read an article with Cindy, and I literally dropped what I was doing to write to her. Cindy says that our biggest barrier, both in business and in life, is the fear of what other people think. This is something that I've always struggled with, so... If anybody can help me find the confidence to really own my idea, it's got to be her.
4: There is no such thing as a good startup idea. Any idea is only as good as its execution. There are many people who've had brilliant ideas and never made them happen. So all you need is the knowledge that you can make this happen. And by the way, the only person who can make things happen for you is you. You know, there's there's a tendency in the startup world for there to be the very misleading impression that it's all about networking. It's all about who you know. And obviously, by the way, that can massively accelerate things. But at the end of the day, other people cannot make your idea happen for you. You are the only person to make it happen. And if you know that you are very good at making things happen, which, by the way, most women are because we have to we have to make things happen for ourselves, because in a world where the default setting is always male, it's a fact of life. Women have to work a damn sight harder to make anything you want to see happen. You know, so if you know that you can make shit happen, that's all you need to execute on an idea.
1: How do you find that confidence in yourself, though? Like when, like when you like just feel like crap when you're just exhausted and you're like, I, you know maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe my idea is not good enough, or maybe they don't understand, or I'm not communicating it well enough. And I, I find it gets easier as time goes on. Like in the beginning, I was more insecure about it. And now I've gotten so much good feedback and we've seen just sort of the results and we've seen customers and people say like, oh, thank you for making this. And then it's like I, my shoulders can like kind of sink down a little bit and I'm more secure in just saying, this is what it is. And we like it, but especially at the beginning, I remember kind of going to events and startup events and You know, people being like, oh, I'm making blah, 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 and I'm making blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, we're making a list like a little bit like kind of like ashamed of it because I felt like it wasn't as big or as cool or as awesome as other people's things. So what do you do? Is there anything you ever have done where you've had that doubt yourself and kind of pushed yourself forward out of it?
4: So two things on that. First of all, I say to entrepreneurs what I say to everybody generally, stay away. From people and places and things that make you feel bad about yourself.
1: I think we maybe should hear that again.
4: Stay away from people and places and things that make you feel bad about yourself.
1: Hmm.
4: I realised very early on that make love not porn was not a VC friendly venture. Hmm. It, fear of what other people think particularly operates in the venture capital realm because there are too many stakeholders. You know, I am in awe of friends of mine, female founders who have you know done 140 vc pictures and been rejected every single one none of us needs to have any more thoroughly depressing meetings than we absolutely have to have and so if going to startup events makes you feel shit about your own idea do not go to startup events until you mm-hmm. feel lot about it okay seriously stay away from the people and the places and things that are going to make you feel bad about yourself because you can't afford that. The only thing you have that will make your idea happen is your determination. If you don't believe in yourself, you might as well give up right now. Mm. Secondly, um, because obviously staying away from startup events is not an option um, for most entrepreneurs, um, what I say to women is bullshit just as much as the men do. (laughs) Because when there's men around you telling you about their wonderful startup idea, they're bullshitting. Mm. Now I feel very confident telling women to bullshit because women go, oh my god, Cindy, you know, no, 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 I can't do that. I go, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I'm telling you to bullshit because I know you can't, and so you can you can do what you think is bullshitting, and trust me, you would have to go a very long way to bullshit at the same level men do. All you're doing when you think you're bullshitting is you're finally doing justice to yourself and your idea.
1: Neither Cindy nor I were born yesterday, and for me, confidence is something. That I've definitely had to work on and has maybe grown with age. Experience trying and failing, succeeding, and hopefully learning to trust myself eventually. But I always wondered why it seems like so many people my age are afraid to try new things. So I wondered what Cindy's recipe for confidence was.
4: People ask me regularly, you know, Cindy, how do you get to be this confident? I go fifty to seven years of living. Mm-hmm. But I want to shortcut this process for younger women. And, um, to, and, and for young people generally. And so, you know, one of the things I also recommend and, and, you know, the advice I give entrepreneurs is the same advice I give to people in business. State your ambition Hmm. with your startup. Say it out loud as often as possible, because when you say it out loud, you make it real to yourself. And things that in your mind may sound impossible when you say them in your internal voice, start saying them out loud to other people and see how they respond. And you'll be amazed by how well that's received, particularly, by the way, because women are regularly critiqued for not thinking big enough. Um, and by the way, we think big enough, we get shot down. But, but basically, in the startup world, the men, are like I said, are bullshitting. Go out there and bullshit as well. Absolutely. State your biggest possible ambition for your startup, because the more you say it, the more you make it real. Mm. And the more you'll see people respond to it really positively, and the more you'll find investors respond to it really positively, and people are intrigued and interested and want to talk to you about it.
1: The day that I met with that investor, after sitting in my car in tears and driving home, I decided to go for a run, which I often do to clear my head. About halfway around my normal route, basically in the middle of a field, I had what I guess you might call a little epiphany. Okay, so I went for a run after my meeting with the investor basically slash shrink, who told me today I needed to stop hiding my ambition behind the sustainability angle and doing good and that is allowed to to be commercial and I want to make money and want to build something big and not to make excuses for it. And I realize just the thing right now, oh by the way, I'm not just doing this to take a break and I'm also right near an insane asylum, <laughs> literally, so I'm hoping if anybody sees me they might just think I'm a patient, which I might become, <laughs> stay tuned. Anyhow. I just realized something, I put myself down all the time. Every time somebody says, I think this is so cool what you're doing, I answer with, well, we haven't done anything yet. Well, we might fail. Well, I've hedged by still having my job or I live in a country of socialism, so I'm not really that scared. We'll always have health insurance. But like, maybe I should just fricking own it. I don't know if I can because it's so foreign to my nature and sort of, how i was raised with like values of humility and modesty and stuff like that but maybe i should just try and experiment so maybe what if like the next month like the whole month of july every time somebody gives cred or a compliment what if i don't tuck it down what if i say yeah you know what this is freaking cool this is awesome we're gonna do something wonderful And people are going to want to work for us. And people are going to want to use this. And it's a good idea. It's good enough. It may not be saving the world, but not everybody has to save the world to create something of value. And maybe I just have to try that and see what happens, like a test, like a lean model of self-development and confidence building. Try it out, see how it goes, see how it feels, and see what happens. Next time on Six Months to Start a Startup. How to know if you actually have what it takes to become a founder. Like Hampus said, can you have bleeding ballerina feet and keep dancing? And for how long? I get advice on how to prepare for an unpredictable future as a founder. And just in case you were wondering, what did Hampus think about the idea for Lizfully
2: I, I really liked the idea. I really liked the idea. <laughs> yeah, I liked the idea because I think that the problem with it that is that.
1: Six Months to Start a Startup is a Shifter Media podcast with support from our sponsor, Itera, committed to making a difference by supporting innovation from within. Our producer is Benjamin Elstein. Thanks to Surfer Blood and Joyful Noise Recordings for letting us use their song, Six Flags in FRG. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or go to our website, sixmonthpodcast.com.
0: Väggen. Om du vill följa Kristin vidare, så sök upp podcasten Six Months to Start a Startup med talare Sex, alltså Six Months to Start a Startup på gensy eller på genväg som det är er här i podcastverken.